0: Tonight I want to uh, continue the topic that I started last week, uh, which the Ramchal, in a certain sense, devotes a lot of time to in his book Derech Hashem, and it's all the, it's all about the concept of what's called prophecy. And you know, like I said, you know, I, I mentioned that prophecy is not what we think it is. You see. In any case, before I begin, this, this year should be a blessing and a merit for the health and success of the families of Ruvain Regina, Bas Yosef Ruvein, and Yoshua ben Yisrael, Benjamin Wolf, Ben Zvi Hirsch, and Baruch ben Benjamin Wolf. <coughs> and what he does to Ramchal, is he goes into the area or the topic of the, the composition, the structure of, the, of man. And I mentioned a very important idea, and that man, Odom, a human being, is the only person or being that is a composite of spirituality, of Nishama, which we know, and physical kuf, body, There is nothing in creation that can equal that type of uh, composition so that puts man and gives him specific assets or specific abilities capacities that he has as a result and that's what the revolution wants he could have made him purely physical like an animal you know except as we as uh, i think i mentioned you know <clears throat> uh, a person would have had a goof right and he would also have what's called a nefesh an animal soul which is physical by the way the ramchal says that the nefesh that's what it's called the lower soul is purely physical very subtle purely physical and it resides in the blood. That's why it says, "Ki Adamu nefesh and so on. And uh, all a person's faculties, which is interesting, his ability to remember, memory, imagination, reasoning—you see—the uh, enti- his entire ability to function with a body really comes from the nefesh tachtona. Not from the Nishama, which is interesting, you see, and obviously, as I mentioned, there are tremendous amount of variations in this Nefesh because an insect, you know, a fly, for instance, right, also has a Nefesh because that is the life force that animates the physical, because the question is, what animates the body? Why does it move? You know, what makes life, life? It's a very big question, nobody really knows, and so on. You know, what animates it, what moves it? Why do cells move? There's a hundred trillion cells and they're all moving, they're all doing things, why? You know, why aren't they just a bunch of chemicals, right? And they don't do anything, they're chemical reactions. But that's not what we see in the human body human body is much more than just chemical reactions. It's a living, moving force that nobody understands. And that force goes on for, what is it now, 90 years? doesn't stop. Why doesn't it stop? You see, why doesn't it reach a certain level of chemical reactions and then stop? That's it. The answer to that, okay according to Judaism, because it has a nefesh tachtayinah. It has some type of a force, a life force, that's what it's called, a lower soul, that is incredibly uh, subtle, but it's physical. Like I said, it resides in the body. So every all living creatures have this force, except obviously there's a tremendous difference in the quality of this force. The life force or the nefesh of a fly obviously is vastly inferior, obviously, to the nefesh of, let's say, an elephant, and so on. Even though they're both incredibly complex creatures, and the life force of a human is obviously almost infinitely greater than the force of a, uh, of a fly, but it's, they're both physical. You know, maybe someday science will discover it. But right now, that's what it is. Now, as I had mentioned, this is not to be confused with the real neshama. That's called the nefesh elyona, the uppermost soul, you see. And only man has a neshama as well as a nefesh tahtoina, a lower soul, and, and 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 the body you see that nefesh is not what we imagine you see because all the faculties of a person is from the nefesh tachtayna, from the lower soul it's not really from the nefesh al-yayna. so what is the nefesh al-yayna? so the nefesh is a conduit to the spheres It is some type of entity that connects to the spheres, you see. And therefore, it makes man spiritual, you see. So that's really who he is. And that has been encapsulated by the nefesh which is now connected, of, of course, to the body. Uh, in any case, so we see, therefore, that this is basically the composition or the structure of uh, of a person. Now as a result of that, a human being has access to the spiritual world because part of him is spiritual. So he clearly has access to all the different spiritual domains because of this. If he was only physical, he would be the same thing in the sense of without imagination, his reasoning ability, he wouldn't be different. See, that's what's interesting about him. Even without an Eshamah el yoina an upper soul, he would still be a human. You see? And you'd never know the difference. In fact, he doesn't even know the difference. The fact that he has this. You see? But he would be a human being that is capable of all the faculties of a human. Right? But he would not be spiritual. At all. And therefore, he would have absolutely no relationship with anything spiritual, that's why the Marasham gave him, I mentioned last week, that spiritual dimension of what he is, so he can now connect to a whole different reality. You want to call it a parallel universe. You know, you know the scientists talk about parallel universes, whatever, you know. This is truly a parallel universe. You know, in that sense and so on, you know So it's important to understand That a man would be a man A woman would be a woman Without a neshama He would just be His nefesh tachtayinah Would be incredibly sophisticated That's all So God does not have to make a human Spiritual In order for it to be human That's a, a very interesting concept uh, Which I would imagine That most people are not aware of in, in any case, okay. Now, so therefore, since he is spiritual, he can be Dovuk, he can be attached or connected to spiritual entities, especially the Rabbanish Lord. That's the incredible advantage of being also spiritual. But the problem is that since he's physical, right, and he's connected to the physical universe, his ability of dvekus, of attachment to God, right, is very limited. That's, you know, so it's advantageous on one side, but it's obviously very limiting on the other. Not only that, since the world that he is attached to, which is the physical, right, is no longer just geshem, material, but it's actually hazayama, which I spoke about, extensively, Zoyama, so uh, the Zoyama surrounds him and is in the and doesn't allow the divine energy into him. So in a certain sense, because he's attached to the physical, the Zoyama acts as a barrier. And that's how the Zoyama does its damage. Because it prevents the spirituality of which he could be privy to from actually connecting with him. And that is a very important idea because he's attached to the physical, you see. Oh, now I mentioned, so therefore, in summary, if you look at the composition of a human being, right, a human being has a nishomal an uppermost soul, which I mentioned, is purely spiritual. And that's what connects him, right? To the sphereus and to the, the God, Elokos, right? The the, the, the himself. But he is spiritual, he has a nishama, right? And that neshama is connected to the, the nefesh takhtoino, as I mentioned, the life force. And that life force is connected to the physical body through the blood and all his faculties his mental faculties his ability to have feelings everything right is governed by the nefesh so this is what a human being is also what i mentioned which is very important is that the neshama itself the spiritual one nefesh the uppermost soul right has five parts ah you see and i'm going to talk about that you know what we're What's the significance of the fact that it has five parts? But actually, I, I really can say it because the spiritual domain I mentioned has five different realities, dimensions. The uppermost, the greatest one of all, right, is in Kabul, it's called Adam Kadma, in primordial man, and that is the future, Ulam Habo. you see. Then below that, right, so the Yechida of Adam, of the Nishama, that's the uppermost soul it's connected to that the second one is Bria is Atsilos I should say which is the world of divine image that is the world that the Rav Hashem presents himself to the Bria the world of the Shechin and so on is Bria and a person is connected to the Bria right through what's called Chaya then there's the uh, Yitzira, okay, and Odom is connected to the world of Yitzira, which is really the world of angels, right, and that he's connected to the concept of the, uh, oh, well, I think I'm skipping one. You have Odom Kadmon, which is Chaya, uh, not Chaya, Yechida, skipped. You have uh, the Adam uh, Kadmon, which is Olim Habo, and his part is called Yichida. That's connected. Then you have the second Olim going down, descending. Right. You have the world of Atsilus, and that his Nishama is connected to that, to the part called the Chaya. Then you have Bria, and his nishama is connected to that. Right. Uh, through the uh, part called the nishama. then you have Yitzira his part is called the Ruach that's connected to that and then you have the Olam Asiyah part of that is the physical world it's only part there's a lot of Asiyah that is spiritual also so that he's connected to what's called the Nefesh but the Nefesh is the uppermost soul in any case <clears throat> Therefore, since the reality consists of five different parts, he has these five different aspects to his neshama that connects him to each one of these places. And as a result of that, he can be conscious of these places, actually see into them, which by the way is, as we will see later, is how he gets Ruach HaKodesh. That's really what Ruach HaKodesh is. The ability to see into Olim Yitzira, and so on, in any case. Now, what is interesting about all of this, okay, is that all of the aspects of the Neshama Elyona can leave, they can disengage and travel, which is interesting. The Barisha made it possible. For the Nishama to be able to disassemble. And for instance, the the, uh, Ruach can actually leave that composite of five and go to uh, some other place. It's interesting. That's how the Ramashim did it. And the way he did that is basically through sleep. The Ramashim created two periods of time one is the daytime. Where a person is active, and then the Rabbin created nighttime where he can sleep in order to refresh himself, right? To renew himself, to be able to act, be active during the day. That's why you basically have these two parts. Apparently, apparently the Rabbin knew that a person has to be able to turn off, he cannot be active 24 hours a day, probably because the stress. Tension, the anxiety, mm-hmm. let's say, is too great to suffer it for twenty-four hours without a stop. So the Bosham created the concept of night so a person can sleep and rest, you see. But what happens then in nighttime, you see, is that these five parts, actually four parts can leave can disengage from that five part unit called the elyona, the uppermost soul and they can actually travel which is a very interesting concept you see because what that means is that (coughs) they can actually become uh, engaged in different worlds and different Aspects of those worlds. And that introduces us, in a certain sense, you see, to the concept of dreams. And what the meaning of many times, what dreams really are, you see. Now, most of the time, what what is a dream? A dream is the activation or the operation of man's imagination. And most of the content of dreams, obviously, is fueled by different things going on in the body, and also from memories of what the person did during the day, his dreams, his aspirations, and so on, you see. But dreams also is a time when a person's neshama, real neshama, yoyna, right, can disengage, can actually disengage. So there are times, and the Rosh decides when it happens, there are times, for instance, when the Ruach of that person will disengage from the unit of those five parts, okay, and actually enter, or, or its connection to Elim Yitzira, which is the domain of Malachim, it can actually talk to Malachim. Now, the person is unaware of this, even though it's really part of him, you see. So, that's a fascinating idea. This, in many ways, is the first ability of man to experience the spiritual. But it's beyond his consciousness. But it does happen. Those are called prophetic dreams. You know... Many times a dream will consist of, you know, all of a sudden, let's say a person lost a family member, and a couple of days later, the family member will show up in his dream. You see, now is that just a dream? Or is that his Ruach of the uppermost soul, visiting, right, Yitzira where Eden is? You see? And it could be, or it could be that his relative that passed away has permission to interact with this family member, you see? And the way it's going to interact is connect to the Ruach of this person, which is connected to Eulam Now this person doesn't know, he doesn't feel anything different, he's sleeping. But his imagination, what happens is, is the ruach when it does experience, let's say his family member, actually will convey that experience. We don't know how, to the nefesh tachtayna. the lower soul, actually conveys that experience to the nefesh which is the lower soul, and that lower soul, like I said, animates the imagination. And the imagination is what creates the dream because you need the imagination to create the dream without the imagination which is the ability to picture things or whatever obviously you won't see anything so when the nefesh the lower soul animates the imagination it will animate that which <coughs> the ruach aspect of the uppermost soul Actually is speaking to a family member In Eden. This happens And there are people that experience Now not only this type of dream But there are all kinds of stories Where people felt they experienced Spiritual phenomenon You see While they're sleeping And this is basically What it is It's the ability of different parts Of the uppermost soul Sort of like wander in different realities of which it is connected to, and then that soul can send its experience down, however, it does to the Nefesh Tachtoina to the lowermost soul, and that lowermost soul will activate the imagination, and all of a sudden, you wind up dreaming. You see. Now, many times the Hashem does that. Not that to everybody, but now we don't know why, but the Hashem wants to use this, you see, this ability of a person to be able to interact with spiritual domains for whatever purpose he has in mind. Sometimes he even reveals the future to the person through this medium. So, this is really a medium, a way. That the Mersham actually will connect with and contact a person. It is called a prophetic dream. It's one of the ways, actually, that a person can experience, if you want to call it prophecy, today. Right. Chaim Vital in the Shari Kedusha mentions <clears throat> that today, even though there's no real prophecy, which I will explain later. And there's no real Ruach HaKodesh divine inspiration. There is none today. The Ruach HaKodesh that sometimes you go to a tzaddik and he's able to tell you something, right? That he couldn't possibly know and it happens or comes true, Isn't the real Ruach HaKodesh? It's a very low form of divine inspiration. You see, because the real Ruach HaKodesh is a whole different experience. In other words, and that, by the way, many people experience. All of a sudden, you're thinking, and all of a sudden, you're hit with a thought, a knowledge, a fact, that somehow you know to be true. You don't know why you got hit with it. You don't even know where it came from. <clears throat> you see, many times, you have just experienced Rokha Why? Right? That's what it is. It is an inspiration whereby you know things and you don't know why you know them. You don't know from where. You don't even know why they happened then. You see? And all of a sudden, many times, it can come true. You know, you can call it a premonition. Maybe that's the fancy word for it. You know? It's a premonition. But really, that premonition... Is the type of ruach hakodesh that can be experienced today? You see, so that's a second idea. But that can happen when you are awake. I'm talking now about a prophetic dream that happens only when you're sleeping. You see, and I'm explaining how it happens. You see, so this is really one of the ways since a man is connected to different realities. This is one of the ways he can actually experience right Information Now you should know one thing The information that you experience Can come from different sources This prophetic dream information Which people do have Can come from different sources That's also very interesting It can come if it's ruach It will come from oil So it can come from a malach actually come from an angel telling you stuff that it is able to do because it's been commanded by the Burjah and so on but what's also interesting is if your Ruach connects to Olam Asiyah, where there are what's called Shadim you know whatever you want to call them they call in English demons but they're really interesting kind of entities that the Burjah created in the, the twilight of the, f- uh, right before Shabbos on the first day of, uh, on, the seventh, on the sixth day of creation, whatever. Uh, and they could tell you information because you're connecting with them because in many ways they are spiritual, you see. And sometimes that information is false, you see, which is interesting. So a person can actually be privy to false information. (coughs) So that's also very interesting. What we begin to see is there's an entire scenario, a bunch of scenarios, that are really way beyond consciousness, in that sense. And it's phenomena which are basically sleep-oriented, you see, which is very, very interesting and so on, you see. And by the way... (coughs) You know, they, the Chazal say that sleep is one sixtieth of death. And we now understand why. Because when a person goes to sleep, four parts of him leave the Yechida, right? The Chaya, the Neshama, and the Ruach. All four of them leave. But what remains in the body is the Nefesh the lower soul, right? And also the nefesh elyoina of the nefesh. In other words, the nefesh of the nefesh elyoina. Those two things remain. If they were to leave, you'd be dead. That's the difference between sleep and death. In sleep, in death, everything leaves. All five parts of the neshama, plus the nefesh tachtaina, that leaves also. So that's the life force And therefore the person is dead The only thing obviously that remains Is the guf Is the body Which is then buried You see But even the body which is buried Has The Khazan say it has a bone That cannot be destroyed It's called Havla Degarmi You see And from that bone or Whatever it is The body is resurrected It's Now, in the old days, how in the world can you resurrect a human body from some type of bone? But today it's no big deal. We know every cell has the DNA of the entire body. So theoretically, all you need is one cell of a person. And if it's intact and complete, you can actually resurrect the entire body. In fact, if you think about it, isn't that the way a person is born? Uh, Right, he's conceived. Right, there's a sperm cell that enters an egg. Right, so it's two cells make becomes one cell, and from that one cell, right, the fetus and so on. Right, you have an entire human being in nine months. It's exactly what happens. You see, so apparently, what happens is the body retains its ability when the time of tchiasa mason will happen. Obviously. To reproduce again from one cell, well, it needs a cell from which to reproduce. So apparently, right, on this cell from the uh, whatever what's, what, what what retains and so on. You right, is how the person is tcheisameisam. There's an argument: Where is this bone located? Is it the last bone of the spine? Right. Or is it the uppermost bone? It's an argument, right? But whatever it is, there is an aspect of the body that the Bersham made sure is indestructible. And it is from that situation that a person uh, is resurrected. And that is the body is resurrected. And then that body, once it's resurrected from that cell, right, obviously it's not going to take nine months, it's going to go much quicker and so on. But that's the material from which it can be resurrected, and so on. You see, and then that is reunited with its neshama. Remember, you know, because every everything left, you know, all you have is the goof and the, the ground. Now, all of a sudden, the goof is resurrected, but it's empty. So all of a sudden, its nefesh tachtoyna, its lower soul, and its nefesh elyyna, the real neshama, all reconnect and lo and behold you have the person that gets up you know at a, at a certain stage right before he died and then his body begins to change and, and so on you see <clears throat> so that's the difference between death and sleep how many parts leave So, like I said in, in death all five all the parts leave right in death but in sleep Only four parts leave, you see. And they, therefore, they are capable of reconnecting or connecting with different realities in which they can actually connect with different entities. And that can give a person prophetic dreams. It's very interesting. One of the very fascinating events that this happened is by Odom HaRishon. <coughs> when Odom HaRishon, right, you had the Nochosh, the snake, to eat from the tree. You see. Now, Odom HaRishon, he had the same composition, right? The only thing he did not have was the Zoyamah, but he had Geshem, of which, We don't really know what that is because he was a physical being but it's not the same physicality as us we don't realize what zayama does to the physical because it introduced deterioration decomposition of the physical body uh, which completely changed the physics of the physical world you see so that's what happened now, we don't know what that means. That means, if you remove the Zoyamah, which, by the way, is what happens in Tchir what do you look like? We don't really know. Because zoyama is a, a fundamental, essential aspect of the physical body. Uh, but the interesting thing is, Adam Rishon, before the sin, had no Zoyamah. So he was physical, but not the same way that we are. Uh, in any case so when chava presented to him the fruit whatever it was you know if you eat it you'll become like god and so on which is the of course the whole story you know Adam mauritian took the let's assume it was an apple some people say it was an apple right and he was about to bite into the apple right and as soon as he would bite into the apple that would be a defiance of god right? All you need is one bite. All you need is the beginning of the bite and you violated God. Immediately, the consequence of that, right, would be uh, where you are now subject to the zayama, Because that's how it enters. You know, there's no waiting period. That's what would happen. So, what's interesting is right before he bit into the apple, let's say five seconds before, right, he's Nishama, what happened to him? Now, Adam Rishon has a Nishama, same thing, right? He has the Nishama, the uppermost soul, he has a Nefesh uh, Tachtoina, right? <clears throat> a lowermost soul, and he has whatever physical body he had, right? So he's got the same thing. And he's got his Nishama, is also five parts. But what is interesting about Adam is he is all mankind. He had the totality of every neshama that existed and it was also all him so you can imagine what he was he he was so incredible in stature that the malachim thought he was god and they started singing Shira to him until god apprised them obviously he's not and so on you know but we we cannot imagine uh, his stature before the sin you see, so, and he's the composite of all mankind. It means everybody's neshama was an odom, right? And later, after the sin, it split into, whatever, hundreds of millions of pieces and so on. And each one gained, got a consciousness, whatever. But we all have a chelik of Adam in us. In any case, so right before he's about to bite into the apple, His Yechida, which is the uppermost part of the Nishama you the uppermost soul, left. Because we know that they can leave, right? But the thing is that they usually leave, or they roam, whatever you want to call it, right? And they're allowed to do that during sleep. But by Adam, right, what happened is the Yechida, his uppermost soul, left it split so when Odom bit into the apple the Nezoyama did not enter or block in any way his Echidah because it was gone it was it's, it, it was in a certain sense Metame the rest of his soul that means his Chaya Neshama Ruach and Nefesh and yoina all became contaminated with the Zoyama in whatever way the Zoyama can contaminate the shoma, which is the blockage and so on that's what happened but as Yechida since it split you know right before he ate from the tree right it was never contaminated by the Zoyama therefore what comes out which is really when you think about it it's fascinating and so on you know That the Neshama is the only thing The Yechida of his Neshama Is the only thing in creation That was never contaminated With the Zayama Amazing When you think about that Now why is that so significant I'll tell you why Because that Yechida Is The Yechida of the Mashiach That's why in order to bring the redemption to the world which means in order to destroy the Zayama and to change the whole world it can only be done apparently with a Neshama or some aspect of the Neshama right? that is not contaminated with the Zayama so the Yechid of Odom what happens is it's split the echidah of Odom Rishim splits so one half goes on top of the Mashiach Ben Yosef that's his crown in fact that is called the Nishmas Mashiach that's what makes you a Mashiach if you have the echidah even if it's half of Odom Rishim right then you are the Mashiach you see that's basically called the Nishmas Mashiach and that is the crown Of the Mashiach And it's interesting because it's a crown That has never been contaminated You see At all The other half Because I said it's split Is the crown of Mashiach Ben David You see And that's what makes him Mashiach It's those two crowns Or it's the Kid of Od That make the Mashiachim the Mashiach. Without those two, they are not Mashiach. You see. Now, why? What does it mean? <clears throat> because what is the Echidah? Remember, everything starts off with God, Ein Sof. The Ein Sof gives rise, however, it does, to the ten spheres. You see. So the Ein Sof is connected in some way to the ten spheres but those ten spheres right give rise to a zulosoi, an other which is what? which is the Neshama but which aspect of the Neshama? Yechida that's what the Yechida is that's why the Yechida I mentioned that the Nefesh is, resides in the liver right the Ruach in the heart the neshama in the brain, and the chaya encircles the body like an aura, but it's still in certain ways connected to the body. But the echida is not in any way connected to the body. Why? Because it is that aspect of your neshama that connects you directly through the spheris into the Ein That's the connecting link, echida. So therefore, the Yechida of Adam Mauritian, the first man, is the totality of all the Yechidas of the human race. So it comes out that the Mashiach bin Yosef has the Yechida of the entire human race. Now you begin to understand <laughs> where his greatness lies and how he's able to achieve it. You see. And it's not even half. Even though you may be half, but that half is the half of everybody you see mm-hmm. so it comes out that the echidah of who of the Mashiach bin Yosef is the echidah the collective echidah of all humans then you begin to understand why he can do what he can do why he's so great you see and that's Mashiach bin Yosef you know, <clears throat> and remember, it's not contaminated. It was never contaminated, so therefore, it can deal, right, with geshem without Zoyamor because it doesn't have the limitation of having been contaminated. You see, and even if the contamination is removed, it's a weakness. You see, <clears throat> and that's the mashiach ben yosef, mashiach ben david, the same thing. He's got a half He's got the yichida Of everybody Even if it only be the half But it's everybody You see And as a result of that He becomes Mashiach uh, You see uh, Now If you remember what I said That the Is what connects you To the Sof. You see Each aspect of the Neshama Is connected to each other You see But it's like a chain Where each aspect of a person goes up, you see. And when the Shefa, when the Spirit of God comes down, it enters first through the chida, right? And then into the Chaya, into the, the Shama, into the Ruach, into the Nefesh, Tachtoyno. That's how God descends or His energy descends. It's like a ladder, you see, and so on. But, it all connects to, but the Shekhinah connects to what? To the Yechidah of your But where is that, basically? You see, it's by the Meshichim. And so it comes out that each one of these people has a crown of all mankind. You see, and they're the ones who bring down the Ein right, into the universe and as a result of that, we all are connected to the Echidah of Adam Harishim, or the Echidah of the Meshichah. Uh, now, it can only do that because the Echidah was able to leave. Like I said, it's got that ability. You see, all of them have that ability, and that's how what happens in sleep. But the Echidah took advantage of that, obviously, and it left before it would become contaminated very interesting concept of what happened by Odam Harishin you see and so on any case so this is what it means to do what this is what it means to have a connection uh, um, that man has which is unusual you know half of him is connected to the earth is rooted to the earth right while he sleeps his body is here his life force Nefesh Tachtoyna is here right and his Nefesh El only the Nefesh part is also here that so therefore man is always connected to the spiritual because even in sleep the Nefesh El does not leave but the other four parts leave and like I say they go on wherever they have to go and the Rav You know, sends them where he sends them and so on. And that gives mankind the ability, ultimately speaking, to what? To connect with the spiritual realities. Look, what can you say? Man is a very unusual creature. This is not any physical being, other entity. I don't care what it is, you know. Uh, You know, it could be the most sophisticated animal. You know, they say a porpoise Dolphins are the smartest of all fish, and also killer whales. Very bright. I hate to use the word, you know, bright in that sense, but they're very intelligent and so on. Killer whales and dolphins, you know. And uh, in terms of animals, you also have intelligent apes and so on, chimpanzees and all that. Also, very, the, for, for what they are, they, they, it's almost like they can reason. Whatever any case um, but none of them but that's all because of the nefesh, uh, what do you call it, the their life force that's how sophisticated a life force can be but none of them are spiritual and therefore none of them can have any spiritual connection whatsoever with the universe of spiritual entities which is really fascinating so we have to appreciate what we are you know, when you think about that, that's what we are. How do we treat each other so bad? You need to think about this, what it means, you know. Uh, you know, I mean, there's hundreds, they, scientists estimate there may, could be a hundred million species of, of uh, animals, insects, plants, whatever, right? Okay, they're all physical. But if we realize what an Odum is, and you know what that's called ultimately? Salomelo Kim. If man is in the image of God, how do we treat each other so badly? Why are we always looking at wars? What is wrong with us? Us being the human race. What is wrong with the human race? You know? It's just incredible to look at this you know, man can be great or it can be vile. Why are people so vile? When you look around the world, the world is filled with evil and so on. Why? If a human being, and I'm not just talking about Jews, I'm talking about Goyim also. Because even a Goy has a Nefesh El God let them have Nefesh El He could have taken it away, which is interesting. Finally, by which I once gave a whole share about, you know, and that's what, that's what defines a guy. The problem with a goi, a non-Jew, is that he only has is a nefesh. He does not have the chaya or yechido or the neshom or the ruach. Four parts. Well, actually, he does have that, but all, all is part of the nefesh. What does that mean? For instance, each of the five parts itself are divided into five parts. Uh, so therefore, the lowest part, called the nefesh, Has a Yechidah, a Chayah, a a Ruach, a a Nishama, a Ruach, and a Nefesh. In other words, the Nefesh itself has subdivided into five parts. So a Guy does have a Ruach, but it's the Ruach of the Nefesh. This is the problem. Only a Jew has the first four parts, irrespective of the Nefesh the bottommost part of the Neshama and so on, right? Uh, and that's why a Jew that is what gives him the ability to connect right? And to change the spheres. That's how a Jew can do the Tikkun. He can only do the Tikkun because he's connected to all aspects of reality to the five parts of his Neshama, right? That's why he can keep, do the Tikkun He can rectify everything. That's what makes a Jew a Jew. You see, when the God decided to take away that ability from mankind by Goyim and only leave it with Jews, and this was at the time of the Doha Flogo, right? The generation of Babel when they tried to defy God and war with God. But he did leave the Goy with the Nefesh El but only the Nefesh the fifth part, you see. So th- therefore, a guy is not connected to the other worlds. If he's not connected, then even through his acts, he cannot do tikkun to any of the upper worlds. Only a Jew can do the tikkun because he's got that connection. But a guy cannot do that. He cannot because he's not connected to any of the aspects of the upper worlds. You see, he's only connected to Olim Asiya this world now that itself but he's still spiritual because he does have the nefesh you know he can't do tikkun but what he can do is in a certain sense do a tikkun to oylem because he's connected here but that means he can only affect himself he cannot affect creation because creation is the totality of all five worlds you see but he can in a certain sense improve because he is connected to Ilamasiyah. You see it's not enough to correct the creation. So that's why he's not part of that process. But he is no question a spiritual being. And that is why it says in the Tonad Velio that he can get prophecy. Because he has five parts of the Nefesh. So in that sense he's he's got all the not all but he's got a major aspect of the equipment it takes to have prophecy you see mm-hmm. so Goyim have no excuse well I'm not like the Jews so I can do what I want no because you can have you can be a Novi Billam was a Goy was a Novi and then there have been many in the Vim that were Goyim you see because a goy is spiritual as such He's infinitely greater than any animal. You know, it's not like some guy's got a, well, I got a divine soul, and therefore I'm a little better than an animal. You don't understand. What is the difference between a flea and a human? That's the difference between somebody who has any nefesh el and somebody who only has a nefesh takhtoyna. We don't realize the gulf that separates us. It's not just something else. You can't even put them on the same page, the type of being you are, because you have a divine soul. Even if you don't have all of the divine souls. You see, very important idea. No guy should ever think, right, that he's inferior to an animal, or he is an animal. God forbid. You see, A guy can achieve incredible greatness because of that nefesh. That itself will allow you to become a different species. The difference between a human and a flea, you see. A Jew, however, can achieve, in a certain sense, much greater, why? Because he's got all five parts of the neshama. So his ability to, to achieve that is incredible. Now, a, a guy, if he becomes Jewish, gets all four parts. You see? That's what happens. If a guy decides to become a Jew, then he will get the other four parts. <coughs> the real parts Yechidah, the Chaya, the Neshama, and the Ruach. And he becomes the equal of a Jew. That's why you had many Gerim that were Tanoim. That were Imam Tanoim. It's incredible, you know. Didn't make a difference that they were a gear, And Rabbi Akiva's grandfather, Rabbi Akiva ben Yosef, or maybe even his father, they were gearim, right? And Rebbe Akiva is among the greatest sages who ever lived. Can you imagine what he was? And either his father, I don't recall, or his grandfather were gearim, were proselytes you know, and then you have Shema'i v'Avtalya, and so on, they were, Zukais, they were among the pairs and so on, you see. And if he decides to become Jewish, then he becomes the equal of a Jew, because he now has the full complement of what, of the Neshama El you see. So we now understand very well, I hope, you know, the consequence of having an ishama, and what it can do for you and what it does you see and how this enables a person to achieve incredible ruchniyas but like I said it's incredible how humans treat each other because based on what I'm saying all humans are unbelievably great and we don't realize their stature and when you take a look at what the world does I mean, uh, like somebody once said, you know, I once heard, you know, how can a person speak Lashon and Horror against another person? Do you have any idea who you're speaking Lash and Horror about? You're speaking Lash and Horror about a person that in many ways is part of the divine. So, what are you doing? Or well, how do you harm a person? How do you damage a person? How do you make war? You know? I mean, when you begin to think about who they are damaging and destroying, uh, can you begin to understand what God will do to these individuals that have treated mankind that way? You don't. You have no understanding of the retribution that God will do to these. You know, somebody who harms a prince, you know, will be severely punished, much greater than if he harmed, you know, just one of the citizens. Obviously, because he's harming somebody of the stature of incredible royalty. You see, <clears throat> now it is true that there are variations of humans. That's true in terms of Jews and Goyim because of the history of what happened. But even a Goy's royalty, They don't understand that. Once you have a nefesh el you have no idea of who you are, of your royalty. You see, even if you're a girl, it doesn't make a difference. You know, a Jew can say he's the crown prince, right? But any prince of a king is a prince, you know? Even if you're not the crown prince, so what? And the interesting thing about it is that any prince can become the crown prince, if he wants to that's the interesting Judaism is a very democratic religion where it allows you know anybody to achieve greatness if that is what they want Uh, but I'm just telling you and it's really a warning people have no concept of what God is going to do to them because of who they harmed the greatness of the human neshama whether it be Jew or guy, you know And if it's a Jew, it's much worse, because he's preventing the creation from having what's called, it's tikkun. Because you're denying one of the people that can do the tikkun, you see. So this is a warning to all those people, all those dictators, all those communists, you see, all those evil criminals. And it's not only to that, People don't understand What God is going to do God will punish Evil No matter how far it is From the actual event People don't understand that You see If you are a congressman Or the mayor of a city And you fail To protect The people in the city So you could say Well what do you want from me So God says Excuse me it was your responsibility to do something therefore in the causal chain of why somebody got killed you are part of that chain even if you're remotely part of the chain but god doesn't you know so you're not going to get as punished whatever that means as the other guy who did it that's true but you have no idea you will be included in the causal chain It's astounding. People do not fear God. They have no idea what's going to happen to them. Uh, Because once they've assumed the responsibility, or once they are part of the chain of evil, they have no idea what God is going to do to them. You see, and God doesn't take bribes like Biden and his family. He's not open to that, uh, you see. And one thing you see, how bad will it be? And I point to the Haftarah Of Parshat Nitzavim, The end of torah Right? And that by the way was the Haftarah Of 9-11 Where God The vision, Yeshayahu Sees a vision of God Right? And the vision of God is He's riding on a horse And his clothing are splattered Red with blood So obviously Yishayah is very nervous Because that means dinam Judgment is about to come That's the time of judgment So he says to God Like excuse me, <laughs> excuse me. Like you know what's happening So God says no 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 I've, Why am I splattered with blood Because I've just Crushed Edom Edom Esau, Right I've just crushed him And the crushing was so fine That his blood spurted up Onto my clothing That's what God says. See, you say to yourself, what? What did Edom do to deserve such a description of punishment? It's incredible. You know, just to use that imagery of punishment where God said, you know, his blood splattered on my clothing because I just crushed them. How? How much? Like a wine. Uh, A wine dealer, right Who steps on the grapes To get the juice out of the grape He crushes the grapes And it splatters with wine That's what God says I just did that to Edom. So you begin to ask yourself Wait a minute, that's incredible What did Edom do To deserve this? You're looking at the imagery Of the worst kind of pain And suffering and punishment But the truth is that's what they deserve. Now, we don't know what they did. Well, obviously, what they did is, I mean, you take a look at Edom and Rome and what these guys all did and so on. But you realize this is what's going to happen. Not now, not yet. But when God finally does decide to exact justice, this is what he's going to do. You see, so how could Edom or any country or nation? Right, Not shake in their boots In terms of what's going to happen to them You see Think about that What is the ultimate future Is that what you want to be done to you And why is that Because it's two reasons It's not only what you did Which is terrible You've caused people to die To be punished To be suffer right, To be poor Or incredible misery but you've done it to beings that are divine. You have no idea who you did this to. And that's what you deserve. I'll tell you one thing, anybody who reads the haftira of Nitzavim has to shake in his boots. Fear of what's going to happen. Because God is going to undo every aspect of evil, and that's what din is, that's what justice is. You must undo Any aspect of evil that you contributed to You must undo No matter how far you are away From the actual event of evil You see I tell you one thing All these politicians All these people that do evil These dictators I mean these people who are into themselves and so on You know If they realize what's going to happen I think they'd all have a heart attack You see so it's worthwhile just thinking about that in any case um, we now understand the composite to a great extent of what the Nesham is and what it goes through and we also see some of the what's very interesting the first phenomena of prophecy is a divine is a prophetic dream why it works how it works and so on and I will continue next week God willing